you know better to give a a preacher's daughter a microphone. He he can restore marriages. He is a God who can bring restoration. Amen. You know, it is super exciting for me to see Raymond here today. He can keep you, can't he, Raymond? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, man. We are so happy you're here. And you are, you're a part of us, man. You're just a part of the fiber of us. We we certainly care, and a whole lot of these people are passionately praying for you. And so thank you for being here this morning. If you have your, your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, I said Matthew, John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is a large chapter, 71 verses. And I'm going to endeavor to talk about Jesus as the bread of life. You know, when I think about the I am statements, I'm probably going to be preaching on various I am statements that Jesus made about himself. Um, there are eight in total, seven, uh, seven of them found right here in the book of John, one found in Revelation. And so, you know, where does that come from? We actually can look back to uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. It was Moses who was uh, actually tending the flocks and the, the Lord came to him in a burning bush, and in that conversation, towards the end of that conversation, he's like, you know, Lord, you know, when I go back to Israel, who, who do I tell him sent me? He says, I am that I am. And so, I am has sent you. And so here Jesus is then declaring these I am statements. And, and so I want to look at that, and if you're with me in... John chapter 6, I'm going to start. Mm. I've danced a little bit too hard with those, haven't I? These are, me, these are my um, Walmart specials. <laughs> Verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on, uh, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent who he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that, we, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. 
Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Then verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will, no, will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Wow. I'm going to keep on reading if that's all right. This is good stuff. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And to, to the ones who come to me, I will certainly not cast out. Thank you, Jesus. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all, that all who has, he has given me, I, I lose nothing but raise it up. On the, the last day, verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Father, I pray, God, that You will help us to recognize who You are. I pray that You'll recognize, help us to recognize the necessity we have of Your presence and Lord, help us to be obedient to your word. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when I think of this word, the bread of life, I, I think of the fact that, that this is a sustaining bread. This is something that we are sustained by. How many need some sustenance, right? It's getting about that time for some of you, right? Amen. <laughs> and... and the idea here is Jesus is, is talking to these uh, different ones who have come, and, and the whole chapter is literally full of, of this whole subject that Jesus is giving himself as bread to the people. And, and I think that sometimes we often wonder, God, I'm hungry for you, God, I need you, and, and yet we don't recognize that Jesus is the very source of of our, of our need. He's the very source of what, we, what we're longing for. If we would just go to him, if we would just identify who he is and what he has for us, that we would find the fulfillment and the truth of what he is that would give us the ability to be sustained in every aspect of our life. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. And so when you look at these different ones who are who are coming to him, Jesus was, this is a word to the people. And, and we have to understand, we have to go back to uh, John 1, 1. He says, uh, the word, I, uh, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So he was in the beginning. And then you go down to verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among them. So here Jesus is, he's coming as this living bread, he's coming as this living word to the people, and, and he's trying to show them that he's the source of all their life. In the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 6, we see where it was the feeding of the 5,000. And, and just after that feeding of the 5,000, they had a different perspective because they had been fed, they had been fulfilled. The word, uh, the word used for filled was the word uh, gl glutted, which we get our word gluttony from. In other words, they were absolutely stuffed, right? How many have been absolutely stuffed? You get out and you said you, you need a wheelbarrow to get you out of the building, right? Somebody got to roll me out, you know? I've had all I can handle. I just can't eat another uh, drop. I, I won't need to eat a month. How many have ever said that before? Yeah. And so here they are, they've been stuffed, and they, and, and they look, and they, they look at Jesus, and, and then they put this correlation together that, man, uh, verse 14 says, 
This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. And in other words, they were reflecting on what Moses had told them in an earlier prophecy, saying that there will be one who's raised up among you that will come, that will come after me. And, and so here Jesus, recognizing what they're looking for in verse 15, he's, he recognizes that they were literally about to force him to be their king. So what does Jesus do? Jesus then uh, goes into the mountain alone. Boy, if we could just talk about the long times in the mountain. How many need some long time in the mountain? If we could spend some long time in the mountain with God, what a revelation, what a, a, a rest, a peace that we would find. But then you go on down and, and, and you see that here uh, there's the story of Jesus walking on the water and and after that, that morning, you know, the, the disciples had gone over the, the Tiberias lake and and so here they were they were uh jesus had walked in the water he's actually in on the other side and and the people get up and they're looking for him where did he go what happened to him i mean we know that we didn't see him leave with the disciples there's still a boat here and and yet jesus is gone so they get in the boats they go to the other side and they find jesus preaching in uh, capernaum and Jesus there, when they get there, says, wait a minute, how did you get here? Now, Jesus could have very easily spoken and told them, you know, hey, I walked on the water last night, right? Jesus could have easily shared with them how he got there, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus confronted an idea. He said, Jesus answered them, said, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You know, there's so many people that that are have lost motives when it comes to seeking the Lord. And I believe that's why so many people feel betrayed in their relationship with God. So many people feel betrayed in their relationship to the church because they come to the church for wrong motives. They come to the church for wrong ideas. They come with... Uh, Ideas that the church should sustain them, that the church should be a comfort to them, that the church should be something that makes them feel good and makes them feel happy. Oh me and amen and oh God help us now, right? And yet when we understand the word of God is something that empowers us, the word of God is quicker than any two are uh, sharper than any two-edged sword is something that that pierces us it's something that extracts things from us that we don't need in us things that are hindering us things the, the word of god is pointed and it it confronts us in our need it confronts us when we're not living right the word of god is not something that always comforts us it might comfort us in the sense that if we follow the word of God and we lose the, the, the weights that so easily hold us back that we might find a freedom in Christ because it is his word that gives us freedom. It's his word that gives salvation. It is word that gives life. And so when we follow his words, it is something that refreshes us in the sense that it releases us from things that might weight us down. Amen? And so here... Jesus is. He's like, look, you're just coming to me because I fed you bread. How many times do we just come back because they fed us bread? How many times do we just come back because, well, you know, uh, I, I, 
I left my burden, so to speak, at the altar, and, and it just feels good. And so I want to go back so I can feel good. And then, you know, it's amazing to me because people come to church because they want to feel good. And the moment that they don't feel good, they lose relationship and lose contact with the church because I don't feel good. Thank God that, that Jesus continued on even when it didn't feel good. Even when they treated him bad, even when the, the, the church, if you will, was against him, even when everything didn't look good, he said foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a, a, a place to lay his head. Even when he didn't have a place to lay his head, he was continuing on the path because he had a plan that God had set him on. And so even when it doesn't feel good, so many times we come with wrong motives. We, we think, well, you know, uh, we, we're in this because of the benefit package. How many got a job that you enjoy your benefit package? Come on. Mine's out of this world. We enjoy benefit packages. But our relationship with God, yes, there might be benefit packages but we're not in it because of the benefit package because just when we see that the benefit package doesn't seem to be all that it should be right here and right now and in our short-term vision we lose hope in the whole process man is it is this not one of shouting messages you ain't shouting with me come on come on amen He said to them, do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. This is verse 27. For the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, give to you. For, for on him the Father God has set his seal. There's so many people who have made this relationship a religion that they work for. And they're striving and working and working and working. And all they're seeing and all they're longing for is the perishable things that they can attain to. And Jesus said, look, quit working for all the perishable things out there. There's so much more. There's a whole lot of people striving, aren't they? And they get weary. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not the mentality that we understand because in the pharisaical world, in the religious realm, it was work, 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 do, do, do everything you got just to make it happen. And, and, and guess what? If you didn't do it right, then you're dead. But thank the Lord that Jesus is gracious. And Paul understood that when he said in Romans chapter 6, 11, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What Jesus is saying is, look, all that you're striving for, all that you're longing for in the materialistic side of religion, I can give you eternal life. And you might have some bread that will satisfy you at the showbread, at the altar or whatever, but I'm talking about a bread that is eternal, that will give you eternal life. And I, you're not working for it. I will give it to you. Amen? What's he saying? He's basically aligned himself 
And he's saying that this declaration of Matthew chapter 6 and 33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, you've got to seek God first. Have a relationship with me. Draw near to me. Come to me, all you are burdened. All these words are saying, come to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Jesus answered and said to them in verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. The greatest thing that you can do, the greatest work, if you will, that you can do, and how many know that God's given us a free will, a free volition? We're not robots. He didn't just program us. He just doesn't come over us and, 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 and we're these zombie people. Then we're like, yes, God. But he's given us a free will to walk in and out of his will, to live in. And it's a choice that we make to truly walk in the Spirit. And he says if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He's given us uh, this free will to make this choice it is our choice to surrender to god to allow god to to lead us and direct us and it's our uh it's our obedience that brings the 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 salvation of god amen lord help us so it says here they are they're like well look what sign will you give us how do we know? I mean, you know, I believe that's where a whole lot of people in the world are at today. We, we have the verbal words to tell them. We have the, we can go through and we can uh, read them the Romans road to salvation. And we can tell them these things. And, and yet uh, their, their response is this. And we want, to, we want to absolutely get mad at them when they ask us questions. Well, how do you know it's real? And that's what they're saying. How do we know? What sign can you give us? How can you show us that this is real? How many have had that uh, asked to you in your presentation of the gospel? How do you know it's real? And Jesus said, look. He said, the fact is, is that Moses gave you bread because they were like, you know, the sign that was given to us in the Old Testament, that Moses gave us bread. Manna came from heaven. And, and Jesus said, look, Moses didn't give you that. Moses didn't give you that. If you look uh, at John chapter 8, I think it's verse 58, he says, before Abraham was, I am. He said, Moses didn't give you that, but, but it was God in heaven. He says, it's God in heaven who sends the bread from heaven. And I want you to understand, this, is, this blows my mind six times in this passage of Scripture, this, the shorter passage of Scripture right here, six times Jesus declares himself as, uh, uh, heaven, as coming from heaven. You know, Jews don't get mad if you don't uh, disturb their religion, right? They're okay with understanding that, that Jehovah God is Father and, and that he's Yah the Lord. But Jesus six times declared, I came from heaven. And so therefore, when you, when you see that, it's, it ruffled the feathers of, of, of the religious crew. They, they got a little uh, upset. He said, wait a minute. 
Because you can go down in, in verse 41 and you can see they were murmuring to themselves. And Jesus knew they were murmuring. He knew that they were arguing. He said, look. I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They said, wait a minute, aren't you Joseph's son? How many, how many know that there's a whole lot of people like to declare your past? Aren't you that person that was down at the bar, you know? Aren't you that person that was a hellion in high school? Aren't you that? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Because I'm in Christ Jesus now. I'm a new creature. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, Jesus begins to get really raw and real with them. And this was a hard place. This was a hard word. Because then Jesus began to say, he was identifying a sacrificial mode here. And Jesus began to say, unless you eat my flesh. In other words, I am the bread. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now that sounds weird, right? If, if, if we didn't understand the revelation that we've been given today, we might ourselves look and say, no. We might just say, you done, you done gone too far. You just left the logical brain and went into the radical mindset. But Jesus was trying to help them understand the imagery of sacrifice. He understood he was, he was going to be a sacrifice. And they understood that sacrifices on the altar, uh, at certain, uh, certain feasts were sacrificed and they were eaten. And he was basically identifying himself as the living word that they would consume. And that living word would give them life. I mean, we see that later on. We see Jesus talking to the disciples. And, 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 and the disciples are like, look. He tells them, he said, did I offend you too? Have I offended you? Are you also going to leave me? Because several of the people left. They couldn't handle understanding that Jesus, this king, who just a few uh, moments, just the day before, they were trying to crown him king. They were trying to celebrate. This was the guy that would lead us out of the uh, arms of the Romans. This was the guy, so they were going to crown him. And so here they are now. Jesus said, eat my flesh. Now, wait a minute, dude. Can I have my crown back? <laughs> I don't, know if I, I don't know if I want this. And Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, are you two going to leave me? And how many know Peter's, a, Peter's amazing? Peter has the most brilliant moments, and then he has the most dumb moments, you know? I mean, one minute Jesus is saying, you know, thou, he's saying, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and, and Jesus is saying to him, you know, flesh and blood has not, uh, has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this. And the next moment, he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? But this is one of those brilliant moments at the end of chapter 6 when Peter, you know, Peter says, where would we go? He said, because you have the words of eternal life. Jesus, you know, what Peter recognized, he said, well, we, we know you're not talking about eating your flesh. He said, you're talking about life-giving words. Words that will, that will produce eternal life in us. That will give us the, the sustaining ability to live in this world and overcome this world. And, 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 and 
And here's the idea. We've been given this message. Come on. We've been given this message. This is the message that we have to give to the world. And too many times are we willing to bear the word and giving it up. And, and so I go back to the very beginning of this chapter and I see Jesus giving the dis- distribution of his word. And how many understand that we're the ones who bear the word of God to this world? The Bible tells us there in John chapter 6 that, that G- they had went to the mountain, him and his disciples, verse 1 and 2, they were, uh, they were there, but Jesus' eyes rose and he saw the crowd coming and he looks to Philip. And he tells Philip, he says, Philip, let's feed these people. And Philip goes, wait a minute. He must have been good at math, right? He looks and says, Lord, it, it takes 200 denarii. You've got to realize that a denarii was a day's wage. You're probably talking eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 in today's terminology. Lord, it'll take eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 to feed all these people. Who are we? We don't have that kind of money. Send them away. But Jesus knew that he was testing him. Because the fact is, is that we might not always see the resources that we have, but if we will understand that God is capable of doing anything. And if God is placing people in our life, we might say, Lord, I don't have the ability to handle them. They're driving me nuts. I I can't do it anymore. And God's saying, would you quit trying to count the cost? Would you quit trying to count up the, how much it's going to cost you? Would you just trust me? Amen? And then there's Andrew, you know, Peter's brother, and he's, Andrew's like, well, Lord, uh, you know, here's a couple of fish and some bread here. He's almost embarrassed. Like, you know, look, there's 5,000 men. It doesn't even count the women and children. There's 5,000 men. How in the world? I mean, here's a couple of loaves and fishes. I'm kind of wondering if he's being sarcastic. Huh? Anybody ever been sarcastic? Easy now. Here's a couple of, here's a couple of, you know, a couple pieces of bread, Lord. We got this. Now, he's not saying that because he believes. He's saying that like, oh, God, you know, how are we going to do this? But Jesus does something. He says, have them, he says, make them sit down. Reminds me of a scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Huh? He makes them lie down in green pastures. It's amazing because in the scripture, it says, it literally talks about the lush grass being there. And, and, and what's unique is that this particular parable is in all four gospels. And Mark, of the one who's very light on details, I mean, uh, I understand, Mark is the abbreviated gospel. If you read, if you want the gospels in a nutshell, read Mark, right? And yet Mark, in all of his brevity, looks at this, script, looks at this scenario and says, it's green grass. 
And so here Jesus is. He is sitting them. He's making them sit down in green pastures. Come on. He's restoring their soul. He's giving them everything. He's the good shepherd. He's identifying that he is the good shepherd. He is the one who brings the bread of life. He is the one who is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and life. He is all of that, and he's the one who brings them in. But I'm closing. Somebody get up here. But I want you to look at this with me. Look at this scenario. Jesus sits them down. One version says he sits them in an orderly fashion in groups of 50 and so on and so forth. How many know that God's a God of order? And he sits them down. And he takes these loaves and these fishes. And the Bible says that he breaks them. Blesses and breaks. And then he begins to give to his disciples. No, Jesus himself could have then began to pass out to everyone. He said, get in a single file line, y'all. We're going to give this out. Right? And then when you get yours, don't go to the back of the line. You know, I've, I've been in Honduras a few times, and the kids who come up, you know, you have these suckers or candy or uh, gifts to give. And, and I say, get in a single file line. And, and, you know, we're giving them hygiene bags and stuff like this. And you'll see this kid, he'll come to the front, and he'll go straight to the back, stuffing it in his pocket or something. I get another one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he could have easily lined them up and said, this is, this is how it's going to go, this is order. He could have broke the bread and he could have went around individually and give to each and every person a piece. But the Bible says that he distributed to his disciples and then they gave it to others. You know, I, I want us to grasp a hold of this. We've, we carry the source of life in us. The bread of life. Somebody said, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a preacher. But you are a bearer of life. The word of God has been given to you. And Jesus showed us a model of distribution. He says, I'm going to break it, I'm going to bless it, but I'm going to give it to my disciples, and my disciples are going to pass this word out. Well, there's a whole lot of people waiting on you. You're saying, well, Jesus, show up and give it to them. And Jesus said, I've given it to you. I've already given it to you. You're not, you're not some cistern that's just holding it in. You're to be a channel that it flows through. I've not given it to you so you can get your Holy Ghost go, goosebumps and dance and shout and have a good time. I've given it to you to give to other people. You experience the bread of life not just to give you life, but so that you can help others find the same life. Woo, that's a shouting message right there. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Give me those divine appointments, God. God, let me be the vessel that you use. Let me be the disciple that, 
that is willing not just to take the word from you, but willing to give it to other people, that's willing to spread the word for others because there's a generation of people who are longing for truth and we're the bearers of the truth. And what are we doing with it? Said that they distributed the word, the bread, the fishes, and the, all the people were full. So full that Jesus said, no, go pick up the crumbs. How many know that you, Jesus said this, he said, my word will not go out void. Hey, there's no wasting what God has, right? They picked up 12 baskets. The word basket literally means large basket. So they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, if you will. Somebody said, well, that was for the disciples. I believe it's a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel that said there's enough for every tribe. There's enough for every tribe, every language, every generation. There's enough. And I'm just waiting for somebody to distribute that word. Can I give you one more? You, you okay? You got, I mean, I, I ain't got a watch. So I ain't worried about it. If you look the next one, the next portion of this scripture you know, Jesus has went up to the mountain. He sent the people off. The disciples have left. And, and the Bible says that they were, y'all can keep playing. He's, he said that, that the, the disciples were laboring. They had rode out. It's like a six-mile journey over to the other side. And here they, here they were. They've, they've been rowing, and, and, and the wind has blown, and they're not making any headway. These guys aren't afraid. These guys are, these guys are, this lake is the one that they've made their livelihood on. They've been fishermen. They're not afraid of the water. Here they are rowing and rowing and rowing. The Bible says that Jesus was watching them. Somebody said, that ain't fair. Jesus sent them out. Them working and working and working. I know Jesus likes to teach us with examples, right? Because here they are, they're out there, and, and, and literally this is not the first time they've been on the water, so the first time they were afraid, this time they're frustrated. I mean, have been frustrated with the Lord sometimes. God, why? What are you doing? Why now? What's this? Jesus watching them. The wind's blowing, it's stirred up. And this is what happens. Jesus walks out on the water, and he gets to the boat. He says, quit your whining. Is that what he says? Basically, they're afraid. He, he goes, one says, do not be afraid. Literally, what that means is stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. What Jesus was showing them is, look, When you labor, if you're doing it on your own ability, you might reach a certain point, but you're going to come against obstacles. You're going to come against trials. You're going to get frustrated. But if you will wait on me, if you'll let me in the boat with you, come on. And immediately it says when, he, when they invited him in the boat, come on, you've got to realize that somebody needs to invite Jesus in your boat. 
You've been laboring, you've been working, you've been struggling, you've been frustrated, you've been tired. I mean, you know that you've got the bread of life. You've been trying to tell somebody else, but you've been doing it in your own boat. And God's saying, look, if you'll invite me in your boat, we'll get to the other side like this. And immediately the Bible says when he got into the boat, they immediately arrived to the other side. Immediately they were transferred to the other side. And it was done. It was accomplished. I don't know about you folks, but there's some people need to realize in this room right now that Jesus is the source of life. Whatever you've been frustrated with, whatever struggle you've been having, whatever hardship, whatever, you know, as, as she just testified about, everything you need you can find in Jesus Christ. You can find healing. You can find deliverance from depression and anxiety. You can find the hope of life. But as you receive that hope of life, God wants you to distribute it to somebody else. He wants you to tell somebody else, and you're not to do it by yourself. You've been trying to do it on your own ability, but God's saying, would you just let me in the boat? I believe that this church is going to be jammed packed because we begin to to rely on the, the Holy Spirit to use us as individuals to reach people that we come in contact with outside of these four walls and they're going to see something in us that just draws them, right? And, 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 and they're drawn to us. They're saying, I don't know what you have, but man, what you got, I want to have. And wherever you're getting it, I want to go to it. Come on. Statistically speaking, that there's a there's a whole lot of people who, were, who would come to church if they were invited by a friend. Somebody's just waiting on you. Somebody's just waiting for you to say, hey man, I noticed that you've been stirred or hungry for something and I, I've got something that I believe God can do in your life. I'd love to invite you to be a part of a group of people that, that would also love you and care about you. God, help us. Amen? Help us to be that people. Help us to be that church. This morning, we're going to culminate this service in communion because we're going to eat. We're going to let this living bread, if you will, we're going to be reminded of the living bread through communion. But before we do, if you say, Pastor, I need, to, I need the source to strengthen me. I need, I need more of the source in my life. I've been, I've been eating the crumbs here and there, but I need to be refreshed by Him. Would you just raise your hand right there? Yeah. I want more. I don't want to just be, I just don't want to be satisfied. I want to be like these guys that when Jesus fed them, they were glut. They were full. I want to be full. Is that you this morning? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray. Lord, you saw the hands that were raised. I pray, Lord, that, that we will not be satisfied. Lord, with just wrong motives. God, that we will not come to seek you for what you can give us, but we come 
seek you as the source, that we come to you as the living bread, the living word, and we allow that word to transform us. And Lord, as we are being transformed, I pray that you will empower us, Lord, to carry this word to others. Lord, that we would be distributors, if you will, of the word of God, that others may be fed and filled as we have been fed and filled. God, anoint us and use us. Let this church be a church with hands outstretched, a church that reaches out and touches the world, not just to give them physical bread, but God, that we begin to be the light on a hill, that we begin to share this word in an empowering way to touch others, that they will not only be satisfied with their physical being, but also with their spiritual being. Let this be the case in this house and through amongst this body. In Jesus' name, amen.